So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Psalm 100. If you have your app or your phone or you want to open a new browser on the computer, whatever you, you want to do, look up this psalm, Psalm 100. It's a very famous psalm. It's often used as a call to worship because the people of God say, I'm ready. I'm ready to celebrate. I'm ready to be grateful. I'm ready for for your goodness. And right at the end of this psalm, in verse 5, it says that phrase that we looked at last week. It talks about the steadfast love of God that endures forever. This love that never ceases, this hesed of God, this unbreakable love that forms the foundation of our relationship with God. So Hesed, this faithful love, this steadfast love, builds the foundation, and if you will, it creates the stage. It, it builds the room from which we come to stand on to worship God. A few weeks ago, Frank and I were driving together. And we remembered some connection that we had with a preacher from uh, probably the late 70s, early 80s. His name was Tony Campolo. Some of you may have, have heard of him. He tells this incredible story how he had flown to Hawaii, I think it was, for a speaking engagement. And he got there at a time that he just couldn't sleep because the time zones had messed him up so much. And so he decided that he wanted to get something to eat at 3 o'clock in the morning. But of course, everywhere's closed at 3 o'clock in the morning, apart from this one bar. And so he went into this bar, and this bar was full of prostitutes. Now, many people would not want to be in a bar with lots of prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the, in the morning. But he was hungry, and he ordered some food, and he sat at the bar, and he listened to the stories, and he heard the stories, and he saw the pain. And he found out about this one lady of the night called Agnes. And he found out that it was her birthday the next day. But that Agnes, for the last several years, because she'd been disowned by her family, hadn't celebrated her birthday for several years. And so he says, I've got an idea. And so he went away, he went home, he did his speaking thing. And he came back to that same bar at that same time the next night. But this time, he showed up with a birthday cake and balloons and streamers. And when Agnes walked in from this long, difficult, horrible night, all the other people around the bar, all the other prostitutes, and Tony Campolo, the preacher, screamed together, Happy birthday! And he used that story as the opening of a book that I remember reading about 30 years ago. The book was called The Kingdom of Heaven is a Party. That God invites people who the world doesn't think fit to the party, to the party, so that they can know that they are loved. They can experience His grace. They can see His goodness. And then they can celebrate His glory. 
The kingdom of heaven is a party. Jesus said it this way. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a banquet. And he says to his disciples, I want you to go out and invite everybody to come. The story continues as Jesus tells it that not everybody responded to the invitation. So he said, go to the highways and the byways. Look in the ditches of life, in the hedgerows of hell and find people and love them and invite them to this party because the kingdom of God is a party. The context of this psalm is of a party, of a celebration where the people of God come together in all our brokenness, in all our vulnerability, and celebrate the goodness of God. The kingdom of God is a party. Psalm 100 comes at the end of a little package of several other psalms that we call the royal psalms to celebrate the goodness of our king, and that because our king is good, we are his kin. We are his family. We are his children. I am hopeless at buying gifts for parties. If I was invited to a birthday party, I mean, Tracy's nodding, Bethany's smiling because they know it to be true. You know, we come to that point in the conversation, well, what, what gifts should we bring? And I'm like, well, let's slip 10 bucks in a card or something like that. Because I never know what to bring to the party. But, but we're invited to this kingdom party where God is the host where we're going to celebrate his goodness and everything that he's done for us. And I want to ask the question today, what do we bring? What can we bring to that kingdom party that the psalmist writes about, that the beggars of God come to because they want to honor the goodness of God? I want to propose to you that this psalm suggests that what we bring, the only thing that, that God really wants, because what do you give to the guy who's got everything, right? What do you give to the guy who's created everything, right? The only thing that he wants as a gift is us and our gratitude. The kingdom of heaven is a party, and we're invited. And what do we bring to this party? We bring our gratitude. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us. We are his, his people, the sheep of his pastor. Enter his gates. Come to the party with thanksgiving. Go to the courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. We've been invited to a party his steadfast love sets the stage. What do we bring? We bring our gratitude. I think this psalm talks about bringing gratitude in three different ways. First of all, as we go to this party of heaven, this kingdom party, we bring our shout, we bring our service, and we bring our song. 
This verse 1, many of you will have heard it in different language because of the translation that I'm using. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Other versions of the Bible say, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the nations. Many of you will have heard that phrase, joyful noise, especially if you are blessed with a singing voice like mine. You will notice that every time um, we start to sing, I'm making sure my microphone is off. And I'm telling the boys to turn it off because I know my limitations as a singer. And so often when I say that, or people have heard me sing, they will try to be so polite and redemptive to me and say, well, Scripture says make a joyful noise. And that's code for you can't sing, but we appreciate your heart. I appreciate the sentiment. But when people say that and they see that phrase, joyful noise, in our day, in our modern church, we put the emphasis on the noise rather than the joy. We put the emphasis on the noise rather than the joy. And we need to put the emphasis on the joy because it is the joy that is inside of us that comes from our heart that is the act of worship. It's it's really important that we, we sing well and we give it our all, but some of us don't have that gift. But worship is not about what we're showing on the outside. It's what we're offering on the inside, right? If you can't sing, shout. As an act of gratitude to God, one of the things we bring to this kingdom party is that we bring our shout. Verse 2, we also bring our serve. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God and serve the Lord with gladness. The second thing that we bring to this party as we come to celebrate the goodness of God is our shout, but it's also our serve. A lot of us are reluctant servers, right? Because it messes with what's going on with us. It messes with our selfishness. But there's something about serving that breaks our selfishness and puts another first and in doing so, puts God first. I was so blessed yesterday on our neighbor-to-neighbor thing. You know this project, we work with the code enforcement. We, we get some houses that are given to us by then of people who are um, struggling and can't fix their, their houses, and we go and serve them. So my role yesterday was to take some of the kind of VIPs around and show them what they were doing take some pictures, smile, that kind of stuff. And perhaps that's an important role. But our VIPs had to leave a couple of hours in. And honestly, I was ready to, to, to say goodbye to them. Because as in the driving around, I, I missed out on the fact and the opportunity to get sweaty and make a difference. And so I stopped at this one house that was overgrown and, and spent a couple of hours there just, just helping the team And because I can't sing, maybe service is more important to me as an act of worship. 
But as I'm sweating there and moving these, these dead branches to the side of the road to be picked up, I'm worshiping. Because the scripture says that we worship with our serve. Next week, we're going to gather as we do every year, and we have done since we started. And we're going to worship not with songs and not with scripture, but we're going to worship by serving together and helping the underserved and those who are in need. When we come to the party, we bring our shout and we bring our serve and we bring our song. We bring our song. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Just because I can't sing it, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't try. And since the very beginning of time, the people of God have always been singing people. It's true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. It's true today. We as the people of God are, are singing people and we must sing. But again, focus on the word before this call to sing. It's joyful. It talks about understanding what God has done and letting singing be an expression of who we are. We must remember that when we sing, we're, we're singing to God. I have this playlist on my phone of songs that I download. And I was in my car the other day, and I was worshiping away with all these little soft worship songs, talking about the, the greatness of God and uh, how majestic he is and uh, how he's our everlasting father and that kind of stuff. And then somehow my playlist jumps over to a little bit of Rod Stewart. But I'm in, the, I'm in the mode, right? I'm in the mood. So I've been singing these worship songs to God, and so I just naturally start singing the next song, which was the song, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? You know that song? Linda, you know that one. You're a big Rod Stewart fan, right? And all of a sudden, uh, unconsciously, I had slipped from singing my worship to God to singing this song that I wanted to sing to Tracy, right? And it's probably good to sing to Tracy, although she may not always appreciate it because of the aforementioned struggles I have with singing. But the point is, my focus has shifted, right? And it's so easy to shift the focus of our singing to something else, to someone else, rather than to sing to God. When we go to this party that is the kingdom of heaven, first of all, we bring our shout and our service and our song. The psalmist continues, verse 3. Acknowledge that the Lord is good, that he made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The first thing that we bring is our shout and our service and our song. The second thing that I want to tell you about this party, that as we go to it, we must offer our who and our why. We offer our who and our why. Acknowledge, understand, know that the Lord is good. There's some small print on this next to a little asterisk. It would say, 
and you're not. We must remember who we are when we come before God. He's God. We're not. We didn't make him or create him. He made us and created us. Acknowledge that the Lord is God because he made us and we are his. We offer our why and our who to God. This phrase, he made us, is really very interesting. You know, so often it's easy to read that and think, oh yeah, God created me. I get that. He made everything work as he planned. He put me together. Elsewhere, the psalmist says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. He created who we are. The phrase actually means a little bit more than that. There's a a nuance in it that we can't miss. It's not just that God made us. It's that God actually made us for himself. God made us who we are, created in his image, but he also made us specifically for himself. And that's our why. There's been a lot of conversation recently, right, about this idea of getting to your why. Some of you will have read that now famous book and heard the TED Talk by Simon Sinek that says, start with your why. And the idea behind it is that everything we do comes out of, 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 of who we are. And we're purpose-driven people who start with the why. Don't dispute that. But I think so often we get lost in lesser whys and we forget that we were made by God. That's who we are. But we were made for God. That's why we were made. And so as we come to God in this kingdom party, we bring our shout and our song and our serve, but we also bring our who and our why. We live in a world where there's all kinds of people who are wrestling with who they are. And they're hearing all kinds of voices try to tell them and listening to all kinds of voices to tell them who they are. But the scripture is very clear. There is one who tells us who we are. That's him. We need to form and to shape our identity and our who based on who he says we are. And when we understand who we are, we offer our who to him. That's an act of worship. That's an act of gratitude. The Apostle Paul, right, talks about offering our bodies, our whole lives, our everything to to God as an act of worship. But not only there are so many people who are trying to take their who am I from different places, there's a whole lot of people who are missing the point on the why as well. It's not about making me better. It's not about building me up. It's not about making me better. safer and more secure. We are made for him. Our why is wrapped up in doing that which God has invited us to do. Our why is about his glory and his pleasure and his kingdom party. The kingdom of heaven is a party. We bring our gratitude. 
That looks like offering our shout and our service and our song. It looks like offering our why and our who. And finally, it looks like giving him our now and our next. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and bless his name forever. For the Lord is good and his faithful, steadfast, enduring love endures forever through all generations. We're invited to this kingdom party where all that we have to bring is our gratitude because of what Jesus has done for us. We bring our shout and our service and our song. We offer our why and our who, and we give him our now and our next. The first word on verse 4 says, enter his gates. As we look into the the history and the heritage of that word, it's a present imperative tone. It's saying, right now, whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing and enter his courts with praise. Now's the moment where you need to to give thanks. It was almost as if there's like this bell that needs to go off and say, enter now. It's this moment. When we come to this kingdom party, we need to, in every moment, as much as we can, Give thanks in the now. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. You see, the psalmist is calling us to to come closer and closer to God, to become more and more intimate with God. And there's something about gratitude that pulls us closer to God, right? Why? Because that's what we're, we're made to do. Gratitude brings us closer to God. In the same way that ingratitude pushes us away from God. And the best example of this was in the garden, right? When Adam and Eve, even though God had given them everything, they weren't satisfied with that. They weren't grateful for that. And so the enemy was able to come to tempt them and say, hey, there's more. There's more. And they said, well, yeah, we'll turn our back on this because we want to go of the more, and they were ungrateful, and that ingratitude pushed them away from God. As we're grateful, we're drawn closer to God through the gates into the courts where we can give thanks to Him and bless His name. We give ourselves in the now, in the moment. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 always, continually be giving thanks. To God, for the Lord is good, and his steadfast love, his hesed love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. The concept that he's getting at the end of this psalm is that the faithfulness of God doesn't end in today. It doesn't even end with our lifetime. The faithfulness of God will continue generation through generation through generation. The psalmist is saying, give him your now, but also give him all your nexts. 
It's so easy to worry about the future. In fact, I think we can make a pretty good case that we've created all kinds of systems and structures that cause us and call us and want us almost to worry about the future. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be responsible in the now and be careful and good stewards of everything that God has given us. But whatever happens in the future, the goodness of God is going to be there. And so it's not for us to overfret and overworry about that and overfear and become anxious about that because God is already there. When we start to worry, it robs us of our gratitude that we need to give as we attend this party that makes up the kingdom of heaven. Let me wrap up and close up. The kingdom of heaven is like a party. The context of this psalm is to come to a celebration. As we head into this party, what do we bring? Do we bring our stuff? Probably doesn't impress him. Do we bring our gifts and our talents? Sure. But that's not what he's looking for. He wants our gratitude. And so we enter into this kingdom of heaven, to this party where God is the host. By bringing to the kingdom of God our shout, our service, and our song. We offer him our who and our why, and we give him our now and our next. Because he's a good God who deserves all that we have offered to him in gratitude. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And therefore, we're grateful people. And so we bring and we offer and we give everything we have to the God who's given everything he has to us as our king calls us his kin.